and welcome to The Lovely Life with Trina McNeely. I'm going to help you learn to love your life, your everyday life. Not the one that you idealize from Instagram or the one that's on the other side of overwhelm, stress, and anxiety. I'm talking about the one that you woke up to today. This is a podcast about learning to live better spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically, no matter what you're going through. Living the lovely life doesn't mean that your life is devoid of pain and problems or that everything looks perfect. Quite the opposite. It's simply learning to find beauty in the midst of the mess and choosing to participate in your life, even when it's not going your way. In this conversational and contemplative podcast, you can expect thoughtful interviews, faith-filled encouragement, and practical tips to help you create space for peace and joy today. So listen in, friend, because together we're going to learn how to make our everyday a little easier, more meaningful, and truly beautiful. How are you today, friends? I am so glad that you are taking the time to join in on The Lovely Life. Today, I am speaking with Jeannie Cunyon about her new book that's just released called Don't Miss Out. Don't miss out, daring to believe life is better with the Holy Spirit. And that's what this conversation is all about, the Holy Spirit. I know you might be thinking, Boy, I've always wanted to learn more about the Holy Spirit, or maybe you have never wondered about the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're a believer and you've relegated your thoughts to the Holy Spirit as woo-woo or weird, or there's so many misconceptions, or perhaps you have wanted to know more about Him. As for believers, as you'll see when we get in this conversation, we're going to discuss how He makes His home in us. He indwells within us. And all of the power and the help and the comfort and the counsel that is available to us through the Holy Spirit. This is actually a topic that I'm super passionate about. And of course, Jeannie is because she's written a whole book about him and about the work that he can do in and through you. So listen in and maybe consider sharing this particular episode with a friend. Jeannie, welcome to The Lovely Life. I'm so glad to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm really excited about our topic, which is around your new book. But before we say what that is, will you tell the listeners a little bit about you and what you do? I'd be happy to. So I am a mama to five and my boys range from five boys range from five to 24. Our oldest Andre, who's 24, he actually Mm -hmm. came into our family two years ago. He grew up in an orphanage in Haiti called Danita's Children's Home. And so he's just been such a gift to us and we just love having him as part of our family now. So we live in Connecticut. I think that's how you and I know each other through our mutual friend, Nicole. Zasowski, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. who also lives here in Connecticut. She's one of my dearest friends here, although we are from the South and get back to the South as yeah, much Yeah, I was as like, possible. wait a minute. <laughs> I hear a Southern accent here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're both from the South. But when I married my husband 18 years ago, mm-hmm. he said we'd be uh, in New York City for three to five years and then we'd move back to the South and uh-huh. we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. But- I know that happens, but that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. So yeah. And I have a master's in social work. I was an adoption social worker before I started writing about eight years ago. Never in a million years dreamed I'd be writing books, but here we are and I love it and I'm so grateful for it. And I'm so excited to talk to you about it today. Awesome. So your latest book that is coming out, well, I think when this is airing, it will be the week of your release. Um, So your book is called Don't Miss Out, Daring to Believe Life is Better with the Holy Spirit. Yes. So I want to know, firstly, why you wanted to write this book. I didn't want to write this book. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. I, when I felt the Lord kind of nudging me to start writing down what I was discovering, I gave him 
many reasons why he had the wrong girl for the job. Not because I didn't want to write about the Holy Spirit, but because of all those lies that keep so many of us from doing the things God's called us to do, right? I'm not equipped. I'm not, I can't, this is too big for me. But also the fact that the Holy Spirit can be such a controversial topic and I'm not a controversial person. And Mm -hmm. so, but the truth is the more I discovered how much I personally have been missing out on the person of the Holy Spirit as someone who said yes to Jesus when I was eight years old, as somebody who was raised as a preacher's kid in a Presbyterian, but charismatic Mm -hmm. church. And even still, I was started to discover how much I had been missing out on by really neglecting his presence and forfeiting all the benefits of um, his presence in my life. And so the more I discovered, the more I just realized I couldn't not write this book. I couldn't not share what I was learning about him and experiencing really a reintroduction to him. That's how it felt. I felt like the Lord was reintroducing me to his spirit. And it just became something I couldn't not right. And I'll I'll tell you, I joked with a friend, I said, it might only be a pamphlet. I don't know how much there is to write or to say, but the truth is it ended up being so much that I had to cut 25,000 words at the end because wow. that that is how vast and wide and deep his role is in our lives. And that's how distinct his work is in our lives. And so it's so much greater and so much bigger than I think most of us realize. And so I just kept writing and writing and having my mind blown by what the Holy Spirit was sent to do in us Mm -hmm. and for us and through us. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm so grateful for this book. I am enjoying it. And I want you to tell us a little bit about what we need to know about the Holy Spirit that we might not know. If you could share a couple of things. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, it, it's interesting. The more I discovered that I kind of the way my brain works is it the word benefit kept coming in mind. Like, I didn't know about this benefit. I didn't know about this mm-hmm. benefit. So I broke the book down into 30 very short chapters. Each one focuses on a specific benefit. But really, it, when you just think about when you look at like if you go to the Bible, right, and you're looking at the way Jesus was preparing the disciples for the coming ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. If you just go to like John chapters 14 through 16. And one of the incredible things that I think we kind of read right over is in John chapter 16, where Jesus says to the disciples, it is for your benefit. It is for your good Mm -hmm. that I ascend, that I return to the Father so that the Holy Spirit will come. Mm. And so I just missed that. Why does Jesus say it's for our good? Why does he say it's to our advantage? And and of course, the disciples, I think, are like many of us, like, no, Jesus, I'd rather have you. I'd rather have your physical presence. I don't want, quote unquote, just your spirit. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 it's it's better because now you have me dwelling in you. And, and let me tell you all the things he's going to do for you. That's basically what Jesus was saying to the disciples. Mm-hmm. And then he said, but you can't handle all of it right now. It's, it's, you're not ready for it. So stay tuned. And so I just, I, I, I started studying through that lens. Why did Jesus say it's for our good that he ascended the Father so that the Holy Spirit will come? Why is the Holy Spirit for our benefit? Mm-hmm. And, and so just so much that we don't realize to the point where truly the whole Christian life is, mm-hmm. is empowered mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. I mean, he, he sparks our faith. He sustains us. He strengthens us. He sanctifies us. He speaks to us. Mm-hmm. He intercedes for us. I mean, it's just, it, it's, un, it's unbelievable what he does on our behalf, even when we're not aware of it. But as we lean into it and we pay attention to it and we become tender to his presence and his work, it really starts to change everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would agree. And I love that word tender because he he is so tender, makes us mm. our hearts tender, but he is so tender with us. Share with us though what some of the misconceptions are before we get any deeper. Let's just kind of lay them out there because I think for some people, either they just when believers they just are unaware of who the Holy Spirit is. It's the name in the Trinity, but what his role is, who he is, or there's a lot of these misconceptions or ideas that have come over the years because so-and-so is weird or whatever else. So talk to us about misconceptions. Yeah, I think when we think about the Holy Spirit, because there is so much 
baggage with the Holy Spirit, that so much has been done in the name of the Holy Spirit that is not of the Holy Spirit. And so we've seen his name and his power abused and misused. People have been hurt by things that have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a lot of stigmas and baggage. I mean, let's just say it. People are like, he's going to he's gonna make me weird. He's going to mm-hmm. make me do strange things. And, and the beautiful thing is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. Right, mm-hmm. they 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 share the same essence, the same the same attributes, the same authority, and so we've essentially ex- extracted the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and put him in his own kind of his own box, his own category, and said, okay, well, I I trust and know God the Father and God the Son, but I don't know what to do with God the Spirit, and we can't do that because. God, the spirit is the spirit of God, is the spirit of Christ. And so I don't want to say he's, he's, we have to normalize him. I don't want to use that word because there's nothing normal about the fact that he is the spirit of God, right? He's supernatural, Mm -hmm. but he is, he's so likable. He's so trustworthy. He is, he is the spirit of God. And so what's happened is I think what we've done is we've we've kind of put him in the extremes. So he, we assume he's either for the super spiritual or the super strange, mm-hmm. right? So the super spiritual are those people who are leaders and teachers or theologians or people who've gotten so close to God or, or have so much knowledge that they've gotten mm-hmm. access to God's spirit, or he's for the super strange. He's for the people who do strange things in his name for wealth or power or buildings or fame or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then those of us in the middle go, well, I don't know I don't know what use I have for him, or I don't know how to engage with him because I'm not one of those extremes. And so, or there's, I think another group of people, which is a lot like how I would describe myself, which was, we just don't know. Mm -hmm. We just don't know all that he's intended to do in our lives. And so we're not intentionally neglecting his presence. We just don't know how to live in his power. We don't know how to walk in step with him. We don't know how to engage with him. And I think that's also significantly due to the fact that a lot of times we think of him as an it. He's a power or a force. And we don't really think about the fact that he is a person, a divine person. So when we say power of the Holy Spirit, I like to oftentimes replace that word power with the word person. How do I live by the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, maybe the question can be, how do I live by the person of the Holy Spirit who takes up residence inside of me. And the larger he becomes in my life, the more enabled I am to walk in his power. And and he produces all this incredible stuff in my life that I'm incapable of producing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I think there's misconceptions and, and misunderstanding. I think for a long time growing up, I had a misunderstanding. I grew up at a, I guess you'd call it a charismatic church. And my parents had, I don't know, we've kind of, I, I, my dad started out like Christian, Dutch Christian reformed and then onto the Baptist church. And my mom's side started out Catholic to Lutheran, to Baptist, to assemblies of God. And so it was kind of varied and in my home and I went to the, you know, church at the assemblies of God. And so we talked about the Holy spirit. That was never a weird thing for me. I think as an adult, I can look back now and say, there's nothing weird about the Holy spirit people are weird. <laughs> you know, some, exactly, some yes. people are weird and make things weird. But I love he's, that. He's not weird. People are weird. People are weird. <laughs> yeah. And so I've had to look back or people would have conceptions like, oh, at your church, they're swinging off the chandeliers, which nobody was ever doing that. It was never like that. But I had this misunderstanding for a long time until I think it was my dad that really clarified it with me that because people would pray to be filled with the spirit. And so I thought that meant that that was a gift and and after salvation, I needed to to pray for that. But really Mm -hmm. when we're saved and we accept Christ in our life, then he dwells within and the spirit of God is living within us. We are filled with his spirit, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's another thing that we're not, we don't talk about that a whole lot. Right? right. And I'm like you, I was raised in a charismatic church and, and the gifts of the spirit were practiced and it was not, and it wasn't abuse. It was beautiful. It was, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for my upbringing, mm-hmm. but for me, I kind of put him in a spiritual gifts box. Mm-hmm. It was like, he produces the fruit of the spirit and there's the gifts of the spirit. And that's the, that's kind of the role of the Holy spirit at the end. And so I missed out on all these other beautiful benefits of having his presence. But 
I'm glad you mentioned that because I we we talk so much about when we put our trust in Jesus, we are covered in the righteousness of Christ, right? Yes. And we are given a, this free gift of eternal life. But what we don't talk about a lot is when we put our trust in Jesus, God puts his spirit in us. Mm-hmm. And it's this beautiful exchange that happens the moment we put our trust in Jesus. We are filled with the resurrection power of God. We are given the indwelling Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of us just don't know that. We don't know what we've been given. And when we discover it and we realize it's this priceless treasure, I wonder how our attitudes towards the Holy Spirit can change and will change when we start to realize what a privilege, what a precious privilege privilege it is to have the Spirit of God living inside of us. Right. I mean, you think about Second Peter one three, uh, where he writes, "His divine power has given us everything we need for mm-hmm. a godly life. Mm. Everything, not some things, not a few things, but His divine power, which is the Holy Spirit living inside of us, gives us everything we need to live this godly life that we desire to live. So, yeah, it's incredible that we are filled with the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, and yet Paul says be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there's confusion because it's Mm -hmm. like, well, wait, I thought I was filled with the Holy Spirit at salvation. So now why do I need to be filled with him again? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. this, it's this invitation. Actually, it's a command by Paul Mm -hmm. to saying, no, it's, it's a daily thing. You need to keep filling up. You need to keep welcoming his presence and his power. It's like, you just want him to become larger and larger in your life because we can neglect him. We can grieve him. We can quench him. But the opposite of that would be, yes, he's, so I think about it this way. Every, every believer is filled with the Holy Spirit, but not everybody experienced the fullness of his presence. That's the difference, right? Don't you think? Yes. Yeah, I do. And I think that's, I mean, I could be wrong here, but that's your title. Don't, don't miss out. Like so many of us are missing out because we just don't, don't know what's available. You know, I remember as a young person, I started reading the amplified version of the Bible, which I still love. It's probably still my favorite. And I'm really bad with references, but the verse that talks about the Holy Spirit and who he is, it breaks it down in the Greek, but it talks about him being our helper, our comforter, our counselor, our advocate. And I remember just there's times where you can read the word and you're reading it and then you read the same verse again and you're like, whoa, which is now I know, of course, the Holy Spirit making it alive to us. But when I really got a revelation of who he was as a person, and now as I've grown in years and gone through, you know, some very difficult things, and I've experienced him as that person, an advocate, as a comforter, as a counselor, it just, it never ceases to amaze me who he is and all that he helps us through. Years ago, I went through some pretty heavy things in my family of origin that were really difficult. And I, I, a friend sent me a message and it was on Isaiah 41 and they just kept talking about, I will help you. I will help you. And I kept listening to it over and over and over again mm-hmm. um, and meditating on how much the Holy Spirit was my help. And for me, that I was having a hard time just functioning because things were just so bad. And so I would just say, I need help. And sometimes that meant like, can you give me the strength to make the choice to take a shower and feed the kids and do things that are just should be normal things. But when you're overwhelmed and you're so weighed down, it's it's too much. And Mm. he so kindly helped me through that season and then really counseled me as well. I mean, I did counseling and all of that, but I have to tell you, Jeannie, it was, I really attribute my growth to the Holy Spirit as my counselor because he would prompt me in so many things before I'd even get to the counselor. And then I'd lay it all out and he'd say, well, oh, that's good. It seems like you're already working on this. And it's, it wasn't me. It wasn't like this ideas I had or books that I'm like, well, I'm going to read this to help me. It was things that he put in my path or people or messages or just his spirit speaking in me or particular passage in the Bible that really, I mean, just brought me back to life. So I love the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I love that idea of like, because like you said, I, I believe in counseling. I love marriage counseling. Like counseling mm-hmm. is important. I love counseling for our kids. Like, and yet 
the point is, don't forget that you have the Holy Spirit as a counselor too. Like you have the ultimate counselor, like the top rated, never gave bad advice counselor. So, and it's like, what a gift that we have this counselor. I know the verse you're talking about, and it's only because I literally wrote a a devotion on it today. It's John 14, 16 through 17, where Jesus says, you know, I'll ask the father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And I love how the Greek word translated helper in that verse literally means call to one side. And then it's in the fact that he says it's another helper, it means it's another of the same kind. So basically for those of us who think like the spirit is, the Holy Spirit is kind of less than or Mm -hmm. the extra, Jesus is assuring his disciples in John 14, 16 through 17, that the Holy Spirit isn't less than him or even similar to him, but he is literally just like him. And he's like, he's the, he is the manifestation of the Trinity among us today. And it's, it's just incredible that we, that we have that gift. Yeah. And I, just the word, the word helper is so full of meaning. It's like Mm -hmm. all of the things that he is to us, a comforter, a counselor, an advocate, a strengthener, an intercessor, champion. I'd never Mm -hmm. heard that word, that translation, but that Mm -hmm. is really landed on me in the writing of this book that the Holy Spirit is our champion. That's incredible. That is. It's beautiful. What would you say it is to live a supernatural life? Yeah. I think the the whole Christian life is supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that God becomes flesh and Jesus, you know, lives among us and then Jesus ascends and they send he sends his spirit to live inside of us. But I do think that and I know I was in a lot of ways settling for kind of living in the natural and not really knowing what it meant to live a super overnatural life, to live mm-hmm. a life empowered, infused, guided by the Spirit of God. And I, and I talk about that in the book, how spirit help is greater than self-help because the self only brings so much to the table. So I'm not knocking self-help. We have to be, we cannot be passive. We have to be active. We have to be mm-hmm taking steps to grow. We have to be really thoughtful and seek help for those areas in which we need to grow and overcome and and see change in our lives. But the truth is, and I really believe this, the best we can do is touch-ups in our lives. We Mm -hmm. can touch things up, but the Holy Spirit transforms us. Mm -hmm. He does the supernatural. He does things that we are literally completely incapable of doing as human beings with flaws, with limitations with weaknesses. And so we can do some touch-ups in our lives, mm-hmm. sure, but we yeah. cannot transform ourselves. Only he can do that. And that is the supernatural life. Yeah, that's so true. And I love I love self-help. I come from a long line of self-help readers and um and and spiritual growth and all of that. It's so good. But it's it's like what you're saying. And I think the difference is the Holy Spirit, he goes right to the root of things. He's not just wanting to deal with what's on the surface and behavior modification that we're trying in our own strength, but getting to the heart of the matter. And that can be a hard thing to come to terms with or to understand or have a revelation of because, you know, our our heart is right and that we want growth and change and we want to do our part. But Sometimes it's really shocking, or maybe it just was for me to realize my part is to just yield because I want to do more in the right spirit of like, I want to do this for you, God, and I, I want to be better because it felt lazy for me at first. It felt like, well, wait, I've been told to do all these things or, or learn this from watching or somehow picked this up, but no, I have to yield. I have to listen and yield and obey, and that process might be of the work that he's doing in me, it might be slower or look different or to the other person or the outward eye, it might not look like a lot is happening. And that was hard too, because I'm thinking, wait, I'm letting, you know, the Holy Spirit do all this work in me. You can't see it yet, but it's yeah. it's happening. But that's okay. It's it's in his time and his way. And I've found that that's really been the transformation is letting him do the work, yielding, obeying, and submitting to his time frame and not and having to let go of what other people think transformation and change should look like in my life because it's it's the spirit and Christ working in me 
Yeah. And sanctification is usually a slow work. I would always yeah. like to speed it up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> speed up that sanctification. Come on. Yeah. And it's slower. Yeah. I, and I think it's, honestly, I think it's a relief if we, because yeah. in some ways it can feel like, oh, what do you mean spirit helps better than self-help? It feels like a knock on what we're capable of. But the truth is mm-hmm. I find a lot of relief. Yeah. It's like we've been, we've been freed from the pressure to be our own savior. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is because yeah. sometimes we think self-help is we're going, it's all on us. Like mm-hmm. it's all, I mean, yeah. the definition of self-help is actually, what is it like affecting change with, with the assistance of nobody else, with nobody else's, mm-hmm. with kind of on your own. And the beautiful thing is that we, we don't have to do that because we have been given, we have been given the resurrection power of God to do that in us and for us. And if, if we don't engage his help, we will never know the magnitude of his power. We'll never know what's, what's, what's possible in our lives. If we don't engage his help. I mean, just the fact that Jesus called the Holy spirit, the helper. So yes, self-help is good, but we have been giving (laughs) the helper, the ultimate helper, right? So I think that I think the best self-help strategy is admitting how much the self needs the spirit for that authentic, lasting, radical change that we're looking for. Right. I mean, that, I think that's the beginning of self-help is saying, I, I need the spirit to create this change in my life. And the good news is I have him. I have him. If I've put my trust in Jesus, I have the ultimate helper to grow in this area or overcome this addiction or have this breakthrough or break these this cycle of toxic thinking or whatever it is that you're seeking help for. Mm-hmm. You have it inside you yes. at this moment if you've put your trust in Jesus. Yes. So powerful. It's wild. it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And I, at least for me, like the more that I yield to him, the more that I listen when there is that still small voice of, "Eh, you shouldn't have said that or do this or don't do that or whatever. The more I yield and listen to that, the more clear, I don't even know if it's the more clear now that I'm saying this, the more clear his voice becomes, it's the more open my heart, my spirit is to hear him. He's always speaking. He's always there. It's just whether I am paying attention or not, but there's more of a capacity, a tenderness and a a tuneness to him. The more that you pay attention, it just proceeds more. Yeah. I like that word of tuneness. I think that's really good. Yeah. We learn his voice. The more we are tuned to it, the more we notice it the more we hear it. And oftentimes it is, like you said, it's through those nudges of, I just, the more you pay attention to it, the more it just becomes literally part of your daily life. Like you're just, oh, there you are. Oh, there you are. Like that's how I, that's one of the gifts I feel like in writing this book has been just this, such a tenderness and awareness of his presence all day with me. I'm like, oh, there you are that you're, you're encouraging me to hold my tongue right now. Thank you. Or there you are encouraging me to go out of my way for this person or this inconvenience when I don't want to like, oh, there you are uh, encouraging me to seek forgiveness for my husband when I want to hold on to bitterness. Oh, there you are encouraging me to affirm my son right now when I really want to point out his flaws. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's like, he just, it's like a dance. He's like with us mm-hmm. all day, just kind of leading us. And we have the choice to, like you said, yield mm-hmm. or to kind of turn our back on that or ignore it. And, and I'm good at both, honestly, mm-hmm. Trina, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. sometimes I yield and sometimes my flesh fights and I, and then I have to clean up that mess or ask for forgiveness. Yeah, for sure. I had a situation yesterday where I had said just about a relationship that's been kind of difficult and someone that I love really dearly, but that I maybe would have tried to change or push certain things or help with certain things. And I've had to just kind of accept how it, how it is that I can't do that. But I had said to someone else, well, and and that's been a good place for me to get to, but yesterday I said something like, well, it just, it is, this is just how it's going to be and whatever. And I was pretty definitive about it. And hours later (laughs) I was driving in the car and I just so clearly felt the Holy Spirit say to me, like, don't give up on that person. Don't, don't, 
don't give up hope. You didn't say, oh, I've lost hope or I'm giving up hope. But in essence, you are. And as long as that person has breath in them, then I can still do anything. And I have a thousand ways. And I felt really convicted, not in a harsh way. I think that's the thing that I misunderstood when I was young because so much was attributed to behavior and doing things for God. And it was all about doing and what you did do and you didn't do. Not so much in my home, but in other places that I had to do a lot of undoing. And so I sometimes would view God as harsh or punitive. And so, but that's not really been my experience. It was like, that was a, a real check yesterday, but it was kind and it was a redirection and hopeful. And so I don't know why I shared that. I just guess I wanted to share it, but that he's always speaking in in, in a kind and loving way for our better and for the better of others. Yeah. I think it's a great example of the way he communicates with us. And I'm glad that you pointed out that it's loving. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think it's important to talk about that because the word conviction can sound harsh. Yes. Like I have a friend who like literally physically shudders when I use the word conviction. Yeah. Because for her, it was kind of used as like a death sentence rather yes. than a freedom song. Yes. And so when we talk about conviction, it's important to realize that that is the Holy Spirit's role in our life. He convicts us, but it is mm-hmm. out of love and it is loving. Mm-hmm. It is never, it's never accusatory or condemning. And if it, if you ever feel or hear accusatory, condemning thoughts or feelings, that is not the advocate, that is the accuser. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. That's so good. Yeah. And so we have to be able to hold up that whatever we're feeling, that nudge or that voice or that leading and go, does this sound like an advocate or does this sound like an accuser, right? Mm -hmm. Is this, is this conviction or is this condemnation? And then we know where that is coming from and then we know what to do with it, right? We, we know whether to throw it away or we know, we know whether to yield to it and to let it lead us. But yeah, his, his conviction is always loving and out of love. His, his conviction is always, always, always intended to conform us more into the image of the one we love, the one, the one who gave his life to rescue us. So, and sometimes it hurts just because it's loving yeah. doesn't mean it yeah. feels good. Yeah, right. right. But it's always out of love. It's always with the intention of sanctifying us and growing us. Yes. Yes. Can you share with us an experience you've had of transformation from the Holy Spirit working in your life? Yeah. I think one of the things I'm most grateful for is in my marriage. Talk about conviction. I write about this in the book that I am someone who is pretty good at holding has been pretty good at holding on to bitterness, specifically in my marriage, just feeling like I have the right to be mad about things or have the right mm-hmm. to be to kind of have, have a unforgiving spirit about certain things. Mm-hmm. And they're not even big things. These are things that like, is just a normal part of being human and being married to your best friend, but like marriage can be hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> Real so hard. I think, I think some things I've been through in my life and some very painful relationships kind of formed a pattern in me of bitterness and being unwilling to seek forgiveness because even the way I said sorry in the past was wrong. And so we kind of carry these things along with us until we really are freed from them, which the Holy Spirit has done for me. And I'm really grateful, but anyways, probably more information than you wanted, but I, one of the things that's happened is that he's really freed me from bitterness. He's really invited me into this for posture of like, Hey, I don't, I don't want there to be any lack of emotional intimacy in, in our marriage, in our relationship. Because one of the, one of the things that we realize is that what grieves the Holy spirit is bitterness. And so it was in the counseling room actually one day, because we believe in marriage counseling when things are good, when things aren't good, we believe that marriage counseling has really, really helped us in 18 years. And, and it was in the counseling room that I realized the Holy Spirit really convicted me about it, that I was holding on to bitterness with my husband. And I literally just, this thought ran through my mind. And I know it was the spirit, which is when you hold on to bitterness, you don't just grieve your husband, Jeannie, Mm -hmm. you grieve me, Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, because bitterness. And when Paul writes, do not grieve the spirit of God. And then we say, okay, well, what grieves him? He answers that question in the very next verse. He talks about bitterness, malice, slander, anger. These are the things that grieve the spirit who lives in us, who that is it lupia where it actually like it, it literally it hurts him. And so 
And I was, I just sitting there going, I don't want to hurt the Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I, and I almost like, it was like, I recognized the Holy Spirit in my husband too, in that moment. It was wow. like, yeah. so I don't just grieve this, my husband and lose emotional intimacy with him. I grieve the spirit of God in him and I lose emotional intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to lose that. It's mm-hmm. too sweet. It's too precious. And so that's been a really important change in my life is it's really helped our marriage because I just recognize when I grieve my husband that way, I also grieve the spirit of God in him and in me. And, and I love that I'm, I'm a person who goes, okay, well, what's next? So then what mm-hmm. doesn't grieve him, right? And, and yeah. Paul answers that in the very next verse. He says, be tenderhearted toward one another, forgiving yeah. one another as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. And so when we live that way, tenderhearted, forgiving, then we don't grieve the spirit. Then we're nourishing that. We're mm-hmm. we're feeding that relationship. And and he's more it's it's like he's more alive in us. We're more awake to him. And that's I that's how I want to live. I want to live that way every day. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. alive, awake yeah. to him, awake to his presence. Yes. I don't want to miss it. <laughs> I don't yes. want to miss out on it. Yes. Yeah. How do we do that? How do we live every day more awake to his presence. I mean, if somebody's listening and this they're a believer, maybe they're not, this is all new to them, or they know about the Holy Spirit, but they've always kind of listened to those misconceptions or believed them or just thought it's all kind of weird or woo-woo. What would you say? How how can we start to do that? Uh, I think the first thing I, I would say is I would go to what Jesus said when Jesus is talking about how we as parents know how to good give good gifts to our children, mm-hmm. even though we are sinful. Jesus says, but how much more uh, will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Mm-hmm. So for so long, I read that verse and I and just kind of missed the point that, that the, the gift Jesus is saying yeah. God will give to his children, mm-hmm. the ultimate That's gift, good. the best gift is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And how do we get that? Jesus said, ask. So it's I think it's a posture. It's a change in posture. And it might even begin with saying, I haven't known what to do with you, or I've been scared of you, or I've been hurt in your name, even though it wasn't of you. And so this is going to take some trust. This is going to take some time. Like I have to open myself up to you and say, and welcome your work in my life. But if it's true, and scripture says it is, that you share the same essence, the same character, the same attributes as God the Father and God the Son, then I'm going to trust that means that you can be trusted too. And I'm going to ask to know more of you. So we have to open ourselves up. And if if you're afraid to open yourself up, ask him to open you up. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's, he'll delight to do that. And then it's like anything. When Jesus said, we have to abide, we have to be attached to the vine. So it's, it sounds so rote, but it's true, right? We have to be in the word of God. I mean, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. The Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit illuminates the Bible. Mm -hmm. So open up scripture and say, show me, Show me what you wrote. Highlight for me as I read what you want me to know about you so that I can begin to kind of be reintroduced to you. And if you already trust him and you already know him and you just want more of him, I think the answer remains the same, right? Ask for more of the Holy Spirit and lean into, it was Joel Matamali. We did this interview as part of the pre-sale campaign for the book. My friend Paula Ferris hosted an interview with Joel Matamali and me, and he gave this incredible um, example of like people think of the Holy Spirit as kind of like turning a light switch on. And the reality is like he he does the work. It's not like we get to control it. Yeah. But he was like, all right, so let's say like when the light switch is honestly, it's turned on when God puts his spirit in us. Like at that moment, he's given to us the lights turned on, so to speak, right? But mm-hmm. we can either turn toward the light or we can turn toward the dark hallway. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where are we turning? So I just, I keep thinking about a posture. Like I just want to keep mm-hmm. turning toward the light yeah. and in, in the work of the Holy Spirit, what he's up to in my life. And ultimately what he's up to is glorifying Jesus. I mean, that is the ultimate aim of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. His goal is to glorify Jesus. He shines the spotlight on Jesus. And so the larger he becomes in our life, the more our life shone the spotlight on Jesus. And isn't that what we want more than anything else? Mm-hmm. Lives that lives that make much of Jesus, lives that testify that to his love, his unchanging, unfailing, nothing better in the whole wide world love. So I would just say ask and then open the Bible and and welcome him. Trust him. He is he's so trustworthy. He is. He very much is. I wasn't going to ask this question and it's kind of a (laughs) 
I don't know if it's a loaded question. It's just a big and vague one. So I'll let you Uh go in the direction that you want. (laughs) But it was reading your book and, you know, you're getting into like spiritual gifts and the gifts of the spirit. Yeah. Can you just, I guess I would just say, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because I think sometimes there's misconceptions with that too. And I love how you've got the test in the back. I know I took those as, you know, even as a teenager, but then sometimes I'm like, oh, well, this is a gift of the spirit and then there's spiritual gifts. And it gets a little like garbly for me even, and I should know all of this stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about the gifts of the spirit and how that all works? Yeah. Well, it gets a little confusing for me too. So, and I wrote the books. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, you know, he is, he's so, he's so made known, but he's also so mysterious. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing about him. There's so much that, and that's why I think when we get to spiritual gifts, this is where so much division and controversy and mm-hmm. disagreement occurs. But I do think that there are some things that are made wonderfully and beautifully made clear in scripture about spiritual gifts in first Corinthians chapter 12. And so in the book, I do give 10 truths about spiritual gifts that Paul writes about, but this is, this is, I mean, the, the basic is that we all have a spiritual gift, at least one spiritual gift. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you have a spiritual gift. And, mm-hmm. and that gift that you've been given is meant to build up the church, to build up your family, to build up your community. Gifts are given for the common good. Mm-hmm. And so it's just an encouragement for Christians to be curious. What is my spiritual gift? And then how can I use it to build up the body of Christ? So I did put a very kind of simple spiritual gifts test in the back so that people can, if they don't know their spiritual gift, can begin to discover what that is. And then there's some really great books that people can use to go kind of deeper into understanding the gifts and how they work and the difference in them. But I I think it's incredible that we each have at least one gift and And they're, they're chosen by the Holy Spirit. I will confess that there have been times in my life where I can be <laughs> jealous of somebody else's, like, I want that spiritual gift. I want the gift of prophecy or I want the gift of healing. That's not my gift. And mm-hmm. yet I do think it's interesting that just because I have a certain, I mean, God, the Spirit has given me a certain spiritual gift now doesn't mean that I won't have a different spiritual gift later. It's mm-hmm. not like that's, that's it and that's for always because I think he's, always growing us and he he blows where he will. He'll do what he wants for the benefit of the church and for the common good. So I think it's important to know what our spiritual gifts are and then use those gifts to build up others. But I would, I will say this too. I think one of the cool things I discovered uh, as I studied what is that first Corinthians 12 feeds right into first Corinthians 13. Mm. Right. And 1 Corinthians mm-hmm. 13 is a verse that we, most of us know because yeah, yeah. it's the famous verse about love. Right. But what's incredible and something I missed is that what Paul's doing here is he's actually feeds into that because what he's saying is the gifts are all to be carried out in love, Mm -hmm. in love. So if if not exercised in love, our gifts are just annoying noise, worth nothing. Mm -hmm. So we talk about that love passage a lot for our marriages and for our homes and for our friendships. But Paul is stressing that the gifts of the Spirit must be carried out with the fruit of the Spirit. Mm. And I think it's when we don't carry out the gifts of the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit, that's where we get in trouble. That's where Mm. we see the gifts abused. That's where we see um, the gifts used for our own fame, for our own Mm -hmm. uh, bank accounts, for our own whatever. And so love is, they're worth nothing if they're not carried out and exercised Mm -hmm. in love. And I think that's really really beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful and, and really profound. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I love that. Well, I have loved talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm so excited about your book. I'm in the middle of it and I'm loving it and I'm going to finish it and I'm going to be sharing it with people because, um, as I told you, I'm passionate about this and I know I've experienced so much transformation. And like I said, I don't, I'd be a hot mess if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. So I love this. I love that you've opened up this conversation and you're bringing clarity for people and understanding and insight. And I, I think so many times it's like, oh, it's such a like supernatural thing. Well, I mean, God calls us to a supernatural life. We're, we're spirit beings anyways. And I just noticed it's like, People are drawn, whether they think it's weird or not, they're drawn to those things. And unfortunately, 
so many people are being drawn in the wrong direction because there's a need for that. There's a hunger for that in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you're bringing light to the true light and the truth. So thank you for doing that. As we close, if you don't mind, I'd love to just ask a couple of quick questions about your everyday life because we talked about that on this show and how to live our everyday better. So if I can ask, what's one thing that makes your everyday easier? Am I allowed to say the Holy Spirit? Yes. <laughs> I thought you might say that and um, I would be in agreement too. So yes, of it's course just, you I can. Mean, it's, it's kind of the subtitle of the book, right? Daring to believe life is better yes. with the Holy Spirit. No, seriously though. I mean, I know I, I should be more original, but honestly, it's life is so much harder when we don't do it with him. So, yes. and I think because I'm just so, I'm talking about him so much right now and I'm just learning so much about him right now. I'm just really, I'm in this place of incredible gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> for what he does in my life. So, all right, that's my answer. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> what makes your everyday meaningful? Okay, I'm not going to say the Holy Spirit again. I could, right? We could. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what makes my everyday meaningful? I think just knowing that I have purpose, that, that God has a specific divine purpose mm-hmm. for my life that is only only mine. And only yours, and only you know, like we can so easily like want to run in somebody else's lane, and and I'm definitely guilty of that. But what makes life feel really meaningful to me is going, Lord, I know that today you've assigned things specifically for me in the unique way you've created me, and I know that that, that does give me it fuels me. It really does. Mm-hmm. I love that. And one thing that's helped you make progress, whether it's spiritually, physically mentally or emotionally? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm laughing, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Something that's helped me make progress, the Holy Spirit, but I won't use that answer. For me, a, for me right now, because we're going through some really hard things is a family with five boys, three of them being in those teenage years. So it's, for me right now, I am having to declare what I know to be true Mm. over things that are tempting me to believe they're not. And I do that through worship. Worship is so life-giving to me. Just, just, you know, Maverick City music right now is like on repeat in my car, Mm. in my bedroom, in my kitchen, just there's a song right now um, called You Reign Above It All. Mm. And I just like, for me, it's declaring what I know to be true, what I know is true, even even though it doesn't feel like it's yeah. true, or I'm tempted to believe it's not true in this circumstance. Declaration of truth. And for me, that's through worship. Like I literally sometimes have to just get in my Jeep and blare these songs and sing them at the top of my lungs. Mm-hmm. And it it changes me. It really it puts me in a different posture. So that's been really helpful to me right now. Oh, that's so good. I was going to say, wait, I've got one more question about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And I was going to ask you about how he's helping you in parenting. So that kind of answered it. But if you have anything else you want to throw in, I think that that would be so um, helpful and relevant to people. And I know, I know it would be to me. I've got two teenagers now and, you know, stuff changes in different stages and ages and all of that. And he's here to help us with that. That's the great thing, the helper. There's no like, oh, I only help with this or I only help with spiritual things or that. Like it's, he's so practical. He helps us with everything and counsels us through everything. So I I thought I'd throw that one in. (laughs) Bonus. Yeah. I think there's two things for me right now. One is that he, I am really experiencing right now what what scripture talks about, that he makes us abound in hope. That feels very real to me right now because Mm -hmm. I would not have a lot of hope in in over about a certain couple of things right now if it wasn't. Like I literally said to my husband, I was like, the hope I have right now is not mine. Like, Lord, mm-hmm. you, I know you who are, you are who you say you are. And that confidence comes, I think, from the Holy Spirit in me. I think I would, I'm a much more of a person who would despair yeah. or be very me downcast, yeah. but I do feel the Holy Spirit giving me supernatural hope right now. And some of the things that we're walking through, not that I'm not, not that I don't feel that I don't can't get very sad or heartbroken, but I yeah. have a hope. Yes. Um, that I know is not mine. And I would say the other thing is, it's as parents, let's remember that the same things that the Holy Spirit 
is assigned to do in us Mm -hmm. is the same thing that the Holy Spirit is assigned to do in our kids. So I very much want to be able to control the outcome of my effort in my kids' lives. So I can plant seeds, but I can't produce fruit. And that is very frustrating and annoying until I remember that the Holy Spirit can do a much better job of producing fruit in my kids' lives than I could. It just means it's not going to happen on my timeline and it's not going to look like I would make it look, but I also have to remember that he's writing a better story than I would write as much as I love them and think I know what's best for them. Mm -hmm. So just as a parent, remembering that it's the Holy Spirit's job to open the eyes of your child's heart to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's job to produce the fruit of the Spirit um, in your children. It's the Holy Spirit's job to strengthen your children, to guide them, to convict them, right? I mean, I would love to be able to convict my children that the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> I can do all kinds of things like give consequences and boundaries and make them fearful, but he does He does an internal conviction that is superior to mine. So just remember he's at work at your kids, like he's at work in you, even when it doesn't feel like it or even when you don't see it and he's, he's, he's faithful, uh, and he's, he's God. So he, he's sovereign. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> even when it feels like he doesn't. Yes. Yes. And that's so insightful and helpful. That blessed me. Thank you. No, oh, I'm glad. Yes. So thank you for being on today. I'm cheering thank you, you on. I'm so excited me. about your book. And thank you so much. Yes. Thanks, Jeannie. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Lovely Life. If you love what you hear in this podcast and want other people to know that their everyday life can be beautiful and meaningful, then I want you to leave a five-star review and take a moment to subscribe to this podcast. Did you know that we have an online community where we continue the discussion and cheer each other on? I want to personally invite you to join. Simply go to facebook.com slash groups slash lovely life community for show notes and to subscribe to episode emails visit trinamcneely.com slash podcast until next time friends here's to leaving behind perfect and learning to live better